Hey, it's Bill Simmons from The Ringer, and this is a podcast called The Rewatchables. We have been doing it really since 2017. It started with how much we love the movie Heat. We decided to structure a whole podcast with categories, most rewatchable scene, who won the movie, Apex Mountain, what age the best. But here's the thing. If you want the full archive, you can hear them only on Spotify for free, by the way. So make sure to follow The Rewatchables on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at theringer.com and joining me in the studio, the hat is back. It's Andy Greenwald! I feel like you've waited a long time to be able to talk about Justified. I have. Somehow, so Justified was like sort of at its artistic maybe peak Mm -hmm. in 2011, Mm -hmm. which predates the Hollywood Prospectus podcast. Not many things predate our podcast. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's fair to say. But that one did. Yeah. And so we never really... And then I think you were probably... Was Justified one of those shows where you're like, I'm three seasons behind... Yeah, so in my defense, and this is broadly indefensible. And we were, we were going to be talking about Justified City Primeval. Uh, the re- and, and just the, the re- reboot? What's it called? Uh, I think Re-imagining it's an, an, an ex- a justified story. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about the sh- Justified itself. Uh-huh. Um, I think we're not going to be very spoiler heavy, although we will talk about the first two episodes of City Primeval that came out. Yeah. But yeah, I think in my defense, and I do think it's indefensible, I kind of adopted a kind of pissy policy that I was like, I, I can't, go backwards. Because once I started being the full-time TV critic for Grantland in the fall of, like, September 2011, Mm -hmm. there was so much... It felt like, in retrospect now, there was relatively little content, but it felt like so much. Uh, And back then, I was watching all the network broadcast pilots and recapping four distinct sitcoms every Thursday night. (laughs) I remember that. That That was was cool. That was a great lift. Just... No spotters, just lift, dead lifts. Um, so I did adopt this policy that was very self-protective and a little silly that I wouldn't go backwards on shows that were well into their run, like Sons of Anarchy and Justified, particularly FX, FX shows, shows thank you. I hope John Langraff appreciated that. It's, I know Nick's listening, and I'm sorry. True Blood, for instance, you probably didn't go that's back. That's right, that's right. Know? Yeah, so, but I was wrong about that with Justified because I think Elmore Leonard's probably the greatest American writer, maybe. That's right. a full stop. Yeah. and. Um, Every episode of that show that I've watched, I've really enjoyed. I just I will. It's this is actually a good segue to how I wanted to talk to you about Justified. Mm. I didn't know. Did you have any opening uh, remarks you wanted to make before we really get into Justified? <clears throat> yes, I had a couple things, and thank you for giving me the opportunity. Most uh, people save Senator. this stuff for the end, but I, I think they? That, I think it's the dog days of summer. So whatever you want to. Don't you think that's weird though? If like you spend forty minutes just like passionately debating the ethics of being a passenger on a hijacked plane, <laughs> and then being like. So in other news, <laughs> I feel like the beginning is the time for potpourri. Is that okay. not right? It's not how most people do it on their pods. 
So give me an example. I think Sean runs uh-huh. a tight ship, gets right into Sh- right into business. Sean scripts his openings, I believe. He's like he he he, he, he scripts them the way I script them. He's like Andy Reid, right? Like the yes, first he knows 10 the plays. first ten plays. Yeah. And then after that, it's just time it's just management. Donovan McNabb chaos. throwing the ball into guys' ankles. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I, I may perhaps the, there's a small strike update, which okay, is just to say, to um, you're still on strike. Still on strike. <laughs> I gotta say, like, it's not. Is this a strike beard we're seeing here? This is no. This was oversleeping stubble. Okay. This is not. Like, relax. Okay. This is not a beard. You. I, I wanted to know if I'm watching the beginning of something. You know, you always are watching the beginning of something, unless it's the end of something. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, it, it's not a good thing, broadly, for two major industries to be on strike, and there's a lot of hardship involved. But it has felt great to have the actors out there. Mm-hmm. Legitimately, it has completely changed the energy of the picket lines um, and the attention paid. Uh, a lot more Getty photographers, oh, I yeah? would say, stopping dudes, and then very robustly, like not asking me my name or how to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> so which is fine yeah um they're like n-a-t-h-a-n-f-i-e it's great i love it but you know it was wonderful i had a briar patch reunion yesterday at Paramount. i saw that on instagram Just man wonderful beautiful I, it was really meaningful i love those people and it was great to be together and thank you to carol lombardini and the amptp for fucking up so majorly <laughs> that i got to see my pals again in the middle of the day um it's yeah. kind of t- it, it is wild that there are no strike updates other than Here's the pictures of of people striking. Like there is no like we're no. gonna meet August tenth at this hotel suite. Like you know this person's gonna be the rep. I saw, I think it was like Richard Rushfield had like a kind of here's some ideas just throwing them against the oh, wall. Oh, that's cool. No bad ideas. In well, he was like, should yeah. Peter Chernin, who helped end the two thousand the, the last strike, mm-hmm. come back and like you know be kind of a, a godfather to this thing, or should? Here are like all these ideas like to to, to wrap the, this up, and mm-hmm. it just seems like there are very little there's very little thawing going on d- despite the heat out on the streets. It's real hot. Yeah, I mean there is there were no there's no serious there was there was it's clear now there was no serious conversation when the negotiations were happening. Mm-hmm. It is not an issue of we say fifteen, they say five, and we meet at ten. It, that's not what this is. If you look over and now the actors have released what their demands were versus what the responses were, there are certain areas which the AMPTP's policy was, we will not discuss this. Mm-hmm. We will not budge on this. We will not consider your requests at all. So it is an unserious conversation, and thus there is no conversation. I also think it's just worth noting the degree to which the When you talk, strike, you know, I almost, sometimes I do feel compelled to be like, yeah. what, like, like for, from the studio's perspective. I love that. Well, you're kind of a both sides guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it's it's fine. Well, I just, I, I really love development, you know? The development is great. Yeah. I'm not mad at the development executives. Yeah. I love business affairs. That's, that's, that's an odd passion of yours. BA. You know what you always turn the conversation B-A-C-R. to? <laughs> Whenever we're out, like just having a drink, you always want to get into the minutia of deal points. Yeah. That's just where you're at. Yeah. No, so, uh, I don't know. I just think that they really fucked up. Okay. Like, I, re- I think that an actor's strike is just catastrophic for the industry and um, particularly for the studios. And the power of their celebrity denying it to, you know, the projects that are in development. I'm starting or to feel the ripple on. effects of that. Not, like, on a personal level, obviously, like, but uh, because who, who could possibly give a shit? But, like, I think I'm starting to see mm-hmm. it on Vulture in, like the lack of juice that certain premieres have because people 
either had to cram in every single... I think Barbie and Oppenheimer are going to be the last significant pop cultural moments until this ends. So do you think... um, Do you think it's noteworthy or does it feel different that... And and tell me if I'm wrong even in the, 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 the proposition, but like... Do you think that it is different that the the public response to this seems to be largely pro-worker and like supportive of the actors and the writers in the strike? That's the vibe I get. And I wonder, I, you know, I was, obviously I listen to a lot of sports podcasts, some of which are made by uh, the Ringer Podcast Network. Mm-hmm. And I've heard Bill say a couple times about how, you know, just one of the main shifts in his life as a sports fan was that when he was growing up in Sports Illustrated would be like, here's the player salaries. And it was a largely like, anti-player feeling because who are these guys making this money yes. to now when Dame Lillard is like I want out everyone's like he should be treated well and go where he yeah, wants do, I think do you sense that in this uh, I think I can't tell because the, I feel like the bubble is so real like I have mm-hmm. n- literally no idea my mom for instance who's a relatively engaged television and movie watcher sure is more than me um, I don't really think that she's like getting a lot of strike updates now what what updates is she getting We'll leave that for another podcast. But, like, I can't tell how much sort of random Joe public is up on this strike, is checking Instagram and seeing, like, their favorite stars holding up picket signs. And I don't really know if, honestly, like, two stars from a TV show or a movie try funny snacks video is, like, the absence of those things is going to bother most people. But I do think that there are a couple of things coming up. So for instance, I'll use mm-hmm. this as an example. One of the movies I'm most excited about uh, for the rest of the year is this movie called Challengers, which is mm-hmm. uh, Zendaya playing a tennis coach of Josh O'Connor and Mike Faced, who are professional men's tennis players. And she used to be a player, And right? there's like a love triangle, yeah. This is Luca Guadagino? Yes. It's honestly like everything that, if you listen to The Watch and the big picture of the rewatchables, the kinds of movies that like we pine for, that we feel like we grew up with, that are... Like adult dramedy with some mm-hmm. some sex and some laughs and some sports. I like love, what could be better? I love tennis. And Have you seen this movie? Or are you just talking I've not about seen it? this okay. movie. It's supposed to premiere in Venice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may not because Venice is largely a star driven affair. It's like Ken. Yeah. It's like supposed to be a lot of red carpet photos. And if Zendaya is not promoting this movie, a a sort of no IP. Yes. Kind of romantic, kind of sporty, but what blah, blah blah blah. Like tennis is not like it's not about like the quarterback for the Niners dating somebody. It's Wh- like which quarterback? <laughs> exactly, brother. <laughs> which I mean, Brock Purdy has a lot of time on his hands. <laughs> can he can he use his hands? Sorry. I mean <laughs> that was a real Philadelphia laugh. <laughs> Yeah, that was just savage. I like it. Um, I recently rewatched highlights from that the Eagles Niners game. Did you really? Yeah, and all the Niners guys are like, "Yo, Brock can't throw. He can't move his arm." It's like a snuff film. Really- uh, where was it? Oh, if Zendaya can't promote this movie, like, I'm sure that went into a lot of the arithmetic behind. Like, yeah, we'll make it for this number. Mm-hmm. And if Zendaya does a lot of like Instagram posts about it, people are going to go see it. Yeah, she is, I think, one of the relatively few stars who could potentially move that needle. Yes. So imagine no hard feelings if Jennifer Lawrence did not go on Hot Ones and Rewatchables and all, all and do the like the lap. Around. Those, that's the only two press things I believe she did for that movie. No, she did a lot of podcasts though. Yeah. Like she, because I think that by that point the WJ strike had happened, and so she did There's a no lot talk of shows, right. she did a lot of like internet shows. But now at this point with SAG on strike, you're not going to get any participation in promotion from the people who are primarily charged 
with selling these movies. Oppenheimer is not an easy sell. What is an easy sell is Matt Damon and Robert Downey Jr. being as charming as possible. Yes. While Killian Murphy like stares like solar flares into this to the camera lens. But Robert Downey Jr. and Matt Damon are selling the shit out of Oppenheimer. Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie sold the shit out of Barbie. Like yeah. those movies are gonna be successful. Yeah, because of their major movie events, but also because the stars worked really hard to sell them. That's part of the job. If those guys, if they can't do that, I wonder if Challengers moves. You know, I wonder if Challengers they goes, just like they like, just say, yeah, no. we'll put it out in spring of twenty four. Yeah, because they know the best chance of it succeeding rests on the promotion. Yes. I agree. I think I think as with everything, people tend to respond to larger scale issues when it affects them and their interests personally, mm-hmm. and so. What we're seeing, you know, for for people out here and for people who are on the picket lines and directly affected, it's an immediate jarring change with concentric circles of effects on yeah. their lives and people that they know and care about. Um, for the broader populace, I think, oh, it's a bummer that the late night shows are gone. They're gone. Yeah. But and perhaps distressingly, people might get used to them being gone, and that might cause their ratings to sink even further. Who knows? Um, in two months, Saturday Night Live's not coming back. The fall schedule is just Yellowstone reruns, yeah. right? And the British version of Ghosts. Um, there is no fall television season. So people will notice that. To your point, like movies won't necessarily yeah. be noticed or Add felt like movies. will not be back in the fall. Yeah, um, right. That's when it's going to start to get, get a little more pressing. And, you know, if the studios wanted to, they could get in front of it. I mean, the Netflix today announced just a really a robust uh, spike in membership mm-hmm. thanks to kicking people off, off of their, their parents' <laughs> accounts, which was a pretty smart move. Yeah. Uh, but they also are claiming they have... over the studio. <laughs> I, we're not naming names. We're not naming names. But um, I feel... Kaya, Kaya, was there a moment when you weren't sure if it was cake or not? Like you couldn't actually find out for yourself? Yeah, that's why I had to sign up for my own account. <laughs> I'm just... We're thrilled for you. Thank you. <laughs> what's, your, uh, what's your chosen image? Did you, did you give an avatar? Oh, I think I did um, the grandpa... From second season of White Lotus. Oh, wow. As your Netflix avatar or as your Max avatar? As my... Oh, wait. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I did an otter as my Netflix as an avatar. Otter. Oh, that's yeah. good. I did... I, I only I only have an, uh, an avatar for my Peacock account. Oh, what's that? Mariska Haggerty. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that in a second. That's also on our docket. I've told, I've told the story that my children went into the Netflix account and changed my name to Daddy. Uh-huh. So I still get emails that say, Daddy... Cave of Bones is available for you. And I'm like, that is a sentence that should never be said out loud. They also changed, they made an avatar for me that I think is like a cool dog from BoJack, which I think is nice. Yeah. Oh, can I tell you something? Mm. Yesterday, I got like seven emails yeah. from the company that makes Among Us, you know, the, the phone game. No. You don't know that one? No. Is that a game I, you play? No, I don't play it. And the email, you were quick about that. The All right. emails. So it's a game that's very popular with kids. You're a ghost on hold, a spaceship. Hold on now. Kai, is this popular? I haven't heard of this, but I'm also not a gamer. And I don't think I'm, I'm a like ga- a kid. I, it's an iPhone game that I think lots of kids play. Do they have mice in their pocket? No. it's Because I feel like this is the new part of the podcast <laughs> where you just tell me things. And this I'm, is the thing. Okay. Is that the emails were like, yeah. a minor is trying to sign in on your Among Us account. <laughs> Oh, like a child? First, I thought you meant like, like a coal miner. Your child is trying. It, it just kept saying like your child is trying to sign in. Your child is trying to sign in. Um, I don't know why I brought that up. But go ahead. W- did you find ever find out what was going on? Or no, you- I just I just put it in spam. Have I don't you, have an Among have Us you account. I've played once. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You and you still just to update our listeners. You have not yet adopted a teenage ward. No, I haven't. 
I haven't. But, but if the strike goes on longer, you're you know? shopping. <laughs> yeah. You're open to it. Anyway, just to say that Netflix has reported they have like 500, they have like a billion dollars liquid, basically, because mm-hmm. they're not making as much stuff and they have a lot of money. And so good, keep announcing that, considering, you know, it'd be a tiny fraction to actually make a reasonable deal. But here we are. Do you think that TV, let's say, like taking, like moving away yeah. from the, the current strike, we're, it's Thursday as we're recording this. You and I have seen Oppenheimer. We'll be sharing our, some some feelings about that next week. I can't wait places. to talk about this. Because not only did we see Oppenheimer, uh-huh. we saw it in IMAX. Yeah. And then we went to Margaritaville. Yeah. It was really yeah. an epic Monday <laughs> yeah. for Americans <laughs> like us. Okay, go on. Uh, do you like the Barbie versus Oppenheimer discourse and the like the binary choice and the idea of like, oh, you can see everybody should go see a double feature of this or like the eventization of two movies that really don't have anything to do with each other except for the fact that they're coming out on the same day? Yeah. I mean, I... It seems like it's been super healthy too. I, well, I, I feel pretty good that I've avoided... I pretty much avoid discourse these days. Uh-huh. Except, I don't know if this happens to you, but um, I wake up... <laughs> we should discuss this. Like, what's the first thing on your phone in the morning when you wake up? And I feel like I'm. You could feel free to hold the floor after this. I feel like you this. get urgent, urgent fundraising texts from Kamala Harris every morning. <laughs> My mornings now are actually. It's like five fifty-five a.m. I get a text from the Atlantic being like, "Everything you know about frogs is wrong." <laughs> I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I, I disagree, but I click because what you know? How do they know what I think about frogs anyway? Um, the frogs are Ron DeSantis, by the way, in this analogy. Um, uh, I, anything that makes people enthusiastic about movies, yeah. I broadly think is a good thing. I, it appears that maybe, judging from the way you, you asked the question, things have curdled slightly. But my sense was, it I was... I think the, the movies need to come out now. But I thought it was yeah. in, it was generally inclusive. Like, these movies that have nothing to do to each other are both going to be of note and interesting. Yeah. And so why not yeah. celebrate them both? I mean... We won't say anything about Oppenheimer beyond this, but it was thrilling to see a movie that I just think is so worthy of engagement. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah, I mean, I liked it, but I also just thought that alone felt really exciting. Um, I can't, I was trying to remember if it, there was ever a moment on TV where we had something versus something like this. Well, I'm sure there are many. I mean, as soon as you, whether it was the same night and you have to choose, are you going to watch this the, or this or, you know, well, one of the biggest ones from our childhood was um, in the late '80s. The Simpsons premiered and it was a huge sensation. And Fox aggressively, because Fox basically was a troll network at the time, mm-hmm. um, they've since really got they've really sobered up yeah. since then. <laughs> um, but Simpsons aggressive and everyone, you know, it's very hard for people to imagine this now. I bet, but there was a lot of like societal hand wringing. Like, is Bart a good role model? <laughs> oh, like, yeah. should this family be on television? Um, and so Fox leaning into this yanked the Simpsons early on, like in season one or two and put it up against the Cosby show, which was, which was waning. And that was like America's family. And again, I'm not sure what happened to, to that guy after that show, but, but that was like a big who you got, you know? Right. I don't remember that at all. It was, it was, it was a thing like, which I was probably playing sports. (laughs) (laughs) Smoking heaters behind the batting cage at age 12. (laughs) <laughs> that, that, we had different childhoods. It's cool. We could be friends now. But um, yeah, there used to be when broadcast, like watching things live was a bigger deal. Yes. You would go at things. Like there, there are, I, I remember would, an elaborate, there were a couple of Sundays during the beginning of, of our podcasting relationship 
I, there were t- certain times where it would be like you had to choose between Mad Men and Thrones or Breaking Bad and Thrones. You had to tape one. Oh, sure. And you would like I, watch Thrones, then watch Mad Men because you wouldn't want anything to spoil Mad Men. And then you would watch like Veep or whatever was on after Thrones. And it was very elaborate I, because it wasn't, it was either DVR'd yeah. or. I remember even like there would be like, well, my DVR can only record two things at once. So I, I think um, I think a lot of the for me and I did find this interesting. Again, I was not playing sports at the time, so maybe that's why. But like the the, the mindset of the broadcast networks and the schedulers, and like they would try to establish beachheads on certain nights, yes. and then like ABC owned Fridays and NBC owned Thursdays, and CBS owned everything else, and so like, but then they would they would sometimes be aggressive, almost yeah. like they were playing uh, like war games. Like we well, see, we sent softness in the Tuesday schedule, so we're going to go after that's it. When, that's when HBO sent them dragons after Lord of the Rings. Remember? Oh, right. Oh, right. When they moved up. Yeah. That's the great example. Is, right. is House of the Dragon putting the date right up against the Lord of the Rings show to just be like, I, we still we still run Barter Town over here. The, the tenor that's change or that's different is the underlying thing with movies is that we are all a little bit Tom Cruise now being like, let's save this beautiful American <laughs> tradition. It's so funny. <laughs> um, we didn't even talk about the video because the beginning of Top Gun, when Tom looking amazing was like, thank you all for coming out you know, in like in this difficult time. And I was like, yes, we are the heroes here, Maverick. And then before Mission Impossible, they were like, let's do that again. But it seems like they came up with the idea to do it again, like right During after. During a junket. Or like right after Tom was like retrieved from the Norway mountaintop where he'd been jumping off on a <laughs> yeah, motorcycle. Yeah, was a little bit like that going back. His voice was real rough. Yeah. <laughs> he did not seem great at that moment. But, um, but anyway, this idea that like movies... We need to celebrate this, and there's no teams here. We just need to get out there and support our friends at AMC and Regal <laughs> and Nicole Kidman. Um, should we get into Justified? What do you think? Okay, last thing. Mm. Definitely not last thing. What do you think Nicole Kidman's payday was for the Heartbreak Feels Good in a Place Like This ad? And do you think she gets a piece of every time it airs? Well, it's AMC, right? Yes. Is AMC still a meme stock? Uh, Do you I, think she's getting paid in like AMC stock? No, she's too savvy a businesswoman for that. Do you think she gets like a residual for every single time heartbreak feels good in a place like this? Drops? No, definitely not. No, because it they they show a lot of movies during the day. So no. Do you think it's a flat rate, Chris? Purely, purely isolated. Isolate the tabs on your spreadsheet. Income, movie theater, promotional related income. Nicole Kidman and Maria Menounos. Who makes more for fiscal 23? I think Kidman. You think Kidman got more for that just pretending to watch Creed once? Because Menounos is the hardest working woman in showbiz. Yeah, but like Nicole Kidman has been the like avatar of mm-hmm. the return to theaters. Okay. And that whole thing became she, like she was a, married a to the avatar bit. of the return to theaters. You know? Oh, but you mean that that whole Yeah, like everybody's cheering when she says that. Have you been in a theater where that's happened? No, but I saw, I read someone saying that at a recent screening of something, a man stood up and recited it with her to applause. <laughs> um, okay. Was well, that, was that, that man was not you. <laughs> I can't confirm or deny that because okay. my strike-related activities have to be separate. Oh, sure, yeah. Last thing, I do want to, before we get into Justified and Elmore Leonard broadly, I do want to do an SVU check-in because I find your commitment to the long-running NBC show Law & Order SVU to be adorable. Uh-huh. And I wanted to know how it's going. 
boy, we watched a banger last night. So every is this still every night? No, I think it's it's like what usually happens is we throw one on and fall asleep twenty minutes in. I don't want to like lead the witness here. I know it's like is it what, what do you want to know? I I I want to know if we could talk about something that you told me that I have not stopped thinking about. Okay. Which is that you said that you often fall asleep. Yes. Which Oh, I right. Would. And then Phoebe texts me in the mm-hmm. middle of the night to be like, it was the guy <laughs> who was folding the shirts. <laughs> I think that that is the sweetest thing I've ever heard in my life. So that when I wake up, I know what happened at the end of SVU, yeah. It, it, it reminds me of, and I, again, we're not spoiling Oppenheimer, but there's a code that Oppenheimer <laughs> Gave his wife, like, if the nuclear test went well. Uh-huh. That's what this reminds me of. Um, uh, so, so in the morning, when you, you know, a little bit bleary, you reach for your, reach for your phone, there's just a little message there's saying... There's five texts from you, which 100%. is just like, check out this recap of Secret Invasion. Yeah. And then it's yep. Phoebe being like, it turns out that that woman had multiple stalkers. And do you, do you audibly, like, gasp? Or do you have a reaction? Or you no, just say, like, it I usually it. takes me a second to piece together like what the actual <laughs> first half of the plot was. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. I wouldn't have okay. picked that one. Uh, but yeah, it's going really well. It's going really well. We're running out of episodes. That's impossible. There's a thousand episodes. There's only like, I, I just think that like there's, so we have like ki- kinds that we like. Mm-hmm. There's very specific, like I don't really care about uh, SVU episodes that are in all involve uh, global politics, which you'd be surprised really? there are a fair amount that it's like a diplomat's son is, you know, kidnapped. Oh, like the head of the IMF. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not <laughs> the Impossible Mission Force, the, the, the monetary. Yes. Part. Yeah. Uh, so we have like a very specific, you know, brand that we we check in on there. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and um, are you going to see Barbie this weekend? Yeah, I'm actually might see it tonight. Tonight? Yeah. Even though there's a new Blur album out? <laughs> Is that what you're going to do? Is go home All and night. quietly listen to Blur? Not quietly. <laughs> sit. Sit intently. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. One thing you don't have to worry about cleaning up this spring season, your wireless bill. Just switch to Mint Mobile. It's easy. And right now, they have unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month for first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. 
to find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Okay, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's I want to talk about Justified. Okay, so we've established a relationship to... So in the years since mm-hmm. you were... You, you dismissed Justified because it... Uh, the crime of being on before you became a TV critic. <laughs> it's all about me. Yeah. Have you gone back and kind of familiarized yourself with it? No, but I did read all of the Raylan books. Okay. Like I. So you're a, a, a strict originalist when it comes to Raylan. Games. I am the Antonin Scalia of <laughs> yeah. Justified. Yes. Uh, okay. So you've how many? Have you seen Justified? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I watched most of the first season and some of the second season. I may have dipped in at the very end because I think to I, see the, the finale. There was probably a week when I was like, "This seemed like at the very end of Grand." I think it was still it ended when Grandland ended around then. But I feel like there was a moment when I yeah, was like, I so. "That would be a good use of my month." Is to watch the final season of Justified. All of Justified. Okay, but I didn't quite get to it. So, right. so I am, I'm ready to have a robust conversation, but I don't have the same. Well, we of did a, that you do. A, a, a Prestige TV Hall of Fame episode. Me, Mal, and Joanna did one about. The finale of season two, which many people consider the best season. That's the, perhaps that's the best the, episode. The Margot of the best Martindale. Season. And that's Margot Martindale's she season. Yeah. She's the villain of the second season. And it actually dovetails very nicely. I have lots of nice things. I've, I'm, I'm deeply entertained by City Primeval. Can, can we explain the, the premise here again? Yeah. So basically, this is the origin story of this. I, I found out from mm-hmm. one of the last celebrity interviews that happened before the SAG strike was I was watching. Uh, Tim Olfan on um, Rich Eisen's show. I was just doing a little nice. justified research. Yeah. And he said that one day on the set of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he was like, you know, trying to think of like, what's the what's the hook to bring Raylan back? And Tarantino's a huge Elmore Leonard fan. And, and he was saying that because he's been playing marshals throughout the galaxy, <laughs> yes. desperate to get back to this <laughs> yes. part. And he was like, I, Tim was like, I have, there's this book, City Primeval, that we're thinking about making into, like, stripping it for parts and making it into a Raylan story. And apparent Tarantino's enthusiasm for that, he was like, man, at one point, I wanted to direct that as a movie. It's very Tarantino, And yeah. uh, was very thumbs up about it. And at one point, was on board to maybe do a couple of episodes of City Primeval as a director. Wow. Which would have been pretty cool. But uh, what we do get, in, the, in so that's how it sort of started, and, was and this idea that there are other non-Raylan stories in the Elmore-verse that they can insert Raylan into. So I don't know if we can get too broad with this. To, to be, I'm sure some people listening know and some people might not, but Elmore Leonard, one of, if not the greatest American writers of the 20th century. Yep. Sentence for sentence, maybe my favorite. I don't, just an absolute master of just... Up there with Grisham. Yeah. Uh, up there, I was going to say like him and Big Jim Salter. <laughs> Very different subject matter. Great sentences. Um, but... His his career, which was very long and uh, very prolific, he started writing short stories and westerns, and then yeah, he's famously wrote Three Ten to Yuma, and then yes, and then began to get a different, like a bigger rep with his first run of crime books that were set in his hometown of Detroit. Yes, City Primeval among them, um, which was published in 1980, and there are a couple characters that bounce in and out. Some appear like a secondary characters, and others. There's a great two book run. Um, called uh, Swag and Stick, which carry the same main character. They're very important novels to me. <laughs> very important novels to me as well. 
I mean, there's no such Swag's thing. Swag's the kidnapping one, right? I think so. I, I mix them up because I read them back to back. I adore them. Um, one rule of thumb is there are no bad Elmore Leonard books. And there really it's, it's really almost impossible to have a bad experience in, in one reading one. And there's so many that I've been using them almost like, like booster rockets. Like if I fall into a fallow period of reading or I'm not enjoying the giant book I'm Let's trying to Let's be honest, through, though, we are... We are or would you, would you describe yourself as a Detroit guy or a Florida guy? This is what I'm getting to. Yeah. I just want to say that if you pick up an Elmore Leonard book, it just kind of like gets the reading muscles going and you feel great yeah. pleasure and then you can dip back into the bigger thing. So all this is, yes, I was going to set up to say. You can jump back into American Prometheus, the Robert Oppenheimer <laughs> story on page two. <laughs> exactly. Before you get to page five, it's time for another Elmore break. Um, he, the first books were in Detroit. Uh-huh. One of my favorite early books is called Split Images, where the characters from Detroit go to go Florida. Go to Florida, yeah. And the way he writes about Florida, you could tell that he was feeling this. Yeah. Because then a lot of his more famous and celebrated books, um, including like uh, Get Shorty, Out of Sight, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wasn't that Rum Punch or was it, that Riding uh, the Rap? Or? Well, no, Out, out of Sight. Um, was Out of Sight the name of the novel or was it? It was out of sight. Out of sight is out of sight. Right. Oh, Jackie, Jackie Brown, Brown is, is Rum based, Punch. Based on Rum Punch. Um, Maximum Bob. Like, these are all uh, La Brava, one of my favorites. These are all in Florida. Yeah. And the Raylan... Cat Chaser. The, little Florida. Oh, Cat Chaser's so good. Little DR. Ooh, Latin America, yeah. The Raylan character was introduced in a book called um, Riding the Rap. Yeah. And he's a... These Elmore Leonard books, I mean, they're just so, so tight. And like, usually four characters He's like the third together. or fourth character of Riding the Rap. And clearly Elmore thought he had something and, he, and Raylan comes back in Pronto, which is another great book. Awesome book. And then I think he, maybe he had appeared previously in a short story because that's why Justified's based on the fire in the whole short story yeah. that preceded those books. All of this is to say, Justified, great show. Fish out of water, Kentucky guy, right, in Florida. And this kind of completes the circle, brings a later period Florida it's an ingenious adaptation, and drops him into the protagonist slot that it existed in City Primeval with a good character, a detective, who never appeared in any other book. So it was almost a blank Ray, space. Raymond Cruz appeared in other books, didn't he? It's a great call. This is the problem. I think Raymond in... Cruz is in a... Well, Raymond Cruz isn't the, the main character of Glitz, is he? That's see, a different guy, right? See, the challenge here is that when there are 40 books, right. I can't speak authoritatively. I could, I could have sworn Raymond Cruz shows up. So... For people who don't know, Cruz, like Raymond Cruz is a detective in Detroit in the novel of C. Primeval. He's the, he is literally just Raylan in Detroit in this book. I mean, not, not literally, but he is, he's going to be doing, if you read the book, it's basically the Raylan characters instead this character, mm-hmm. Raymond Cruz. Obviously slightly different from Raylan Givens. He is referenced, uh, Raymond Cruz is. is referenced and seen uh, briefly in Justified, uh, City Primeval, but they've basically taken... The High Noon in Detroit, which is the subtitle of City Primeval, mm-hmm. and this idea of a lawman and a criminal on a on a collision course, yeah. and kept the Caroline Wilder, uh, Carolyn Caroline Wilder part, uh, who now is played by or n- not is now played by, but is played by Anjanou Ellis uh, in the show, and tweaked a couple of other things. And then one of the main things I want to talk to you about is the updating of the Elmore Leonard universe kind of, you know, and the idea of taking something from 1980 in Detroit and making it in 2023. But, and then, and so they've added this new, like, instead of having a hardened veteran Detroit police officer navigating his own hometown and Mm -hmm. knowing all the like backstreets and, and dive bars and everything. It's this guy Raylan from Kentucky 
through via Florida. Via Florida, who had just been on a the setup to the show is that he's busy taking his daughter to a camp somewhere for some disciplinary problems and gets waylaid by two fugitives who try to take his car. It happens. And then so he brings them in on a warrant that they had in Michigan and thinks it's just going to be a quick stopover to drop these guys off. And instead, he gets pulled into a kind of cat and mouse game with a character named Clement Mansell, a.k.a. the Oklahoma Wild Man, played by Boyd Holbrook. Which brings me back to mm-hmm. the great thing that Justified the show always did, which is pit this amazing martial character and this amazing heroic performance by Oliphant against a really formidable villain. A charismatic villain. And they did it again. Yeah, they did. They did it again with Boyd Holbrook. Boyd Holbrook's performance on this show, like, th- you're having a lot of these moments, like, you know, people have criticized you over the past for your um, investment strategy. You know, you, you, you... It's intuitive. It's intuitive. It is, um, some would say counterintuitive. <laughs> it is uh, bearish at times. You know, you take the long... Yeah. The long road. Um, next week, we're going to talk about the, just the, the sudden spike in value of your Josh Hartnett stock. The Boyd Holbrook has been a... Um, a shower, not a grower. Yeah. <laughs> Until this this summer. Yeah. He's so good in this. He's he's just great in this. I, I think so two episodes in out of not sure how many six, eight? Eight. Eight. I really I, I love it. I love that it's back in our lives. I love this type of storytelling. And I also just continue to think it's just a no-brainer for any era of television because it kind of straddles a more old-fashioned procedural type framework with prestige touches especially you know by with the literary imprimatur of Elmore Leonard and that vibe I think it's fantastic and this idea also that you could just do the British model in an American way like mm-hmm. they did with Luther or Prime Suspect like you just you have the Raylan character so let's go yeah you don't and need you to have do it every all these year books that mm-hmm. you can probably insert him into in some way or another if you wanted to keep making these things. Characters, I mean, even though the books can be quite different, they're all Elmore Leonard books. He's the, Elmore Leonard is the main character of Elmore Leonard books. And so all the characters could show up in each other's worlds. It's really not hard to believe that they might. Um, I, th- does this show, because I do have some criticisms too. I Broadly, I think this is great. Mm-hmm. To you, first thing, as a justified super fan, does this feel like the show that you loved and how and yes or no so tv does not feel that way anymore i was talking about this mm-hmm. with joe and mal where i went back and watched the finale of two mm-hmm. and that sh- episode of television has to do so much work and it has such a huge payoff at the end of it but you start it and then you blink and you're 32 minutes into the episode and it's not because it's like maniacally pe- fast-paced or like constantly cutting it's just that tv used to have tempo Mm-hmm. And TV used to really, really be tight. And this is 2011, where you still have this transition happening from all these people who had worked on network shows and were writing to ad breaks and knew that you needed to have certain things happen at certain times of an episode. Mm-hmm. But they were starting to get more and more artistic freedom from the networks to explore season-long storylines and bring in more literary weight references and all these exciting things that were happening. And in my conversation with Mal and Joe, I kind of want to almost throw this back to you. They don't call that the golden age for nothing, you know, because we thought maybe then that it was the golden age because 
we were finally free of sitcoms and mm-hmm. procedurals or whatever. But what it turns out is it's also the golden age because people knew how to make an entertaining television show while also being stimulating and meaningful. There was a foot in both worlds. Yeah. And so I think that it's not a criticism as much as even this group of people working on Justified City Primeval who made Justified, who all of them, almost all of them worked on Justified. Michael Dinner, who directed the first few episodes of City Primeval, worked on countless Justified episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Andron, who uh, did Snowfall and 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 worked on like worked on Snowfall with John Singleton, was one of the main writers of Justified and is now one of the main writers of City Primeval. Like almost all of the crew is there, but you can tell TV has changed again, yep. and this one's a little slower, and this one is a little bit more contemplative. Does that that make sense? I mean, like it I has think, more space for those sorts of things. You yeah, mean? I think it's also this show is very consciously commenting yes. and thinking about the role of the like law gunslinger. Yes, very much in so. 2023 versus 2011. Yeah, which, because I mean, Justified famously begins with a scene that was taken from writing the rap. I believe the the, the climax of the book, right? Which is that it's basically Han Solo and Greedo. Yeah, he he shoots a guy. Yeah, like in cold blood. More basically or less. in yeah. cold blood, and we're like wow, what a great hero, yeah. you know? And and that happens a lot in the first season. It's like Raylan's the guy who will kick down the convenience mm-hmm. store door, ask the guy to surrender, and like if he's like, no, then that's it. You know what I mean? It's not, there's no negotiations yes. and stuff like that. I think he evolves over the course of the show, but there's a real episodic nature to the kind of like, first season is very much like crime of the week, Raylan's taking somebody to jail or Raylan's got to go pick up somebody who skipped bail or Raylan's got to do this. And it, it's very violent, you know? Um, I think as the show went on, it started to reckon with the violence more and more. Yeah. And then... And by the way, Pronto came before writing the rap. I've been saying this wrong the whole time. I was That was really bothering me that you had said that. I figured. And I was almost going to ask Kai to erase this episode. I think she should anyway, but for different reasons. <laughs> Sorry, please continue. Where was I? Oh, they're they're reckoning with this guy. They're reckoning mm-hmm. with the idea of like lethal force on the part of like legal institutions and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I like many s- people are very skeptical of the Justice Department. I would say that is not the show's strong suit, quite frankly. I mean, I I think that there are modern elements that they are gamely trying to put into this world that some work and some some simply don't. You know, there, there, there's such a, and so one of the things that I find, I find, that I found that I bumped on a little bit in the premiere was Elmore Leonard's Detroit is such a deeply specific place. It's one of my favorite places to visit in books, and it's not just that in that version of Elmore Leonard's Detroit um, there aren't iPhones. Mm-hmm. It's that the he is he is writing uh, with a very very keen eye from the ground level of a city that was riven by class and racial divides, as all cities continue to be. I don't mean to say that it's different, but his understanding of that city, like the back of his hand, was one of the things that enter, that brings you into the books. And this series, by contrast, is bringing Raylan into Detroit. So he's not that comfortable there. And so the way we get to learn about Detroit is Norbert Leo Butz's cop character like kicks in a door and is like, that's how we do that in Detroit. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I find myself missing, wishing there was more baked in, lived in 
flavor, honestly, that you do get sometimes. So, for example, the great, great actor, um, veteran actor, Von D. Curtis Hall. Mm -hmm. Playing Sweetie. Plays a bartender, former musician, and, and more. Obviously, he's connected to the story named Sweetie. He has, and when you're in his bar, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Von D. Curtis Hall is one of the few members of this cast who is from Detroit. Mm -hmm. You're like, this is a place. Yeah. This guy knows the guy that he's playing and he understands it. And I kind of wish there was more of that. I mean, in my experiences in visiting Detroit, which I think is a pretty great town, People talk a certain way, they act a certain way, and like it's you you know you're there. And I kind of wish, even though they shot there, I kind of wish there was a little they more. They shot in Chicago. Great call. They did not, guys, they did not shoot there. I was hung up on the fact that there's the Joe Lewis fist statue. They did the montage of actual Detroit, yeah. and then they go to Chicago. But all of this is to say that like I kind of wish the cops talked like they were from Detroit. You know, I just kind of wish there was a little more of that specificity as opposed to this character is now in a different urban environment. Well, yeah, nobody, if it was Raymond Cruz, nobody would have to say this is how we do things in Detroit. Exactly. Because it's not like this guy's from out of town. There's a really interesting tension happening in the storytelling where you're taking a character from the 2010s, mm -hmm. at least in our popular imagination, putting him in a show in 2023, but you're using a plot that was written in 1980. That and demanded I will tell you certain things. I, yeah. This is one thing many people may not know about you. Mm -hmm. Andy can be a little squeamish about TV oh. mm -hmm. or films, about violence or things in it. It's true. I think you've, you've actually loosened up a little bit, but Thanks. one thing you're not squeamish about is when you are reading, yeah, yeah, you can, you can take a lot. It's totally And it's Elmore totally Leonard books me. are grimy. Yes. Especially the Detroit novels. Mm -hmm. And City Primeval especially is not for the faint of heart. No, and it's also not for a modern sensibility. Exactly not. I would say. No, um, I would say not. The, 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 there is a, it, it, it plays out in the show uh, where there is a, uh, a, a city judge in the show played by Keith David. Mm -hmm. and Judge Guy. He behaves a certain way and has a certain storyline. The book, pretty much, be, it just begins with him. Yes. Cold. And this guy is a real character. And it's, He's a piece uh, of shit. Yeah. Yeah. He, that, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. I think that's fair. And there is not this very, not just modern, um, it's not just like a broadly modern sensibility. It's a broadly modern TV sensibility too, that he's a piece of shit, but on the show, he's like, I know things. Yeah. There's something else going on here. So, but when I hear that on the show, I feel like I'm being overly critical. What I'm hearing is people working really hard to find a different way in, yeah. which I think is the best yeah. spirit of adaptation. And there is, a, there is one element of this, or a specific element of this, that I think is absolutely singing. And mm -hmm. that's Anjanou Ellis' performance as Carolyn Wilder. She's amazing. She's great. She's incredible. And in the book... She holds the screen. She's a little bit of a cipher in the book. Mm -hmm. Like, Carolyn is actually, like, very much, like, compromised. And I'm sure that that will come through in the show eventually. Uh, but she's very compromised by past relationships and a you understand a little bit more psychologically why she's representing uh, Clement, essentially. Mm -hmm. In this show, it's even more perverse and actually like sad that she's representing Clement, but it's because of you know that those same compromises that she has made over the course of her life and the situation that she finds herself in with her ex. So that you're kind of like, oh God, like she's trapped with this person that she is also now sworn to defend. And I do think to to combat my previous slight criticism, I think one of the things the show does best is suggest that those who who work in the legal system and those who work as work as criminals in the criminal system are much more interconnected than one might imagine. Yeah. And that you can't really it's like trying to 
cut out a tumor that's metastasized. Everyone is touched by everything. Yeah. And and Raylan's sensibilities with his cowboy hat and his big gun might not play well there. It, it's he's a little bit it, it, he's too too broad for yeah. a place that that that's that specific. So I think that that's all smartly set up. And again, like this is a western between two guys, and when they finally collide in episode two, that's when it really ignited for me. And we, it sure does. <laughs> we we have to we I think we do have to talk about the one thing that is a little curious, at least to my eyes, which is in this series, Raylan has a teenage daughter, which is non-canonical from the previous series. Did she, did she exist in the previous series? Uh, or we just imagine this is that she's when she, Nona is pregnant at the end of two. I can't remember his daughter. I mean, he's got a yes. The kid is is a part of it. He has a kid. Yeah. Oh right, because also in the books he has a, fa- a wife and kids that we don't meet that are in back in Cruz or Raylan Raylan oh yeah in, like in back I in I think Cruz has a daughter in so it, in City Pride so Meeple. it exists and yeah. also who cares it's a TV show so now he has a daughter and that's the sort of the, the engine that fuels the road trip etc cetera, etc cetera. Raylan Givens daughter Willa Givens is played by Timothy Oliphant's daughter Vivian Oliphant mm-hmm. which I imagine would be wonderful and like his dream in working on set I, I, I think it's a really wonderful story I don't know if it's adding a lot, let's say. Uh, I think that she is a... I don't think it's on the level of Caitlin Deaver in Justified Season 2, I'll put it that way. I, I, I think I, that's the... I mean, like, I really... She's a very green performer. Yeah. And it and it's hard not to bump on that, um, I would say. Uh, mm-hmm. Some other things I like about this are, um, I think they're doing a pretty good job taking a plot from 1980, integrating digital technology, mm-hmm. the kinds of things that, that they wouldn't have had. When you're reading the book, it's very you might as well be reading a Western. You know what I mean? It's like, well, maybe he'll pop up again or maybe mm-hmm. we'll do this or we're going to stake this out. And it's like the level of digital surveillance that would probably be like, it, you know, it would end a lot of 1980 crime novels. <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot going on in the story about the extent to which you can do things legally, what you can charge people with, what you can do unless you're going to charge somebody with something, waiting for that person to lead you to a bigger thing. You know, all these things that are kind mm-hmm. of piling up. And then there's the more elemental story of now once, like, uh, Clement has threatened Raylan's kid, as he does, that shit gets really real. Two veterans involved in this that I think are worthy of note. Great crime writer Walter Mosley was on the writing staff for this. Yeah, hell yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I bumped on the music, and then I saw it was our guy Mark Isham, like 71-year-old dude who has done literally everything well, in the I, music business. I also want to give the show the space to be like, we're going to be having guys talk about P-Funk. That's and not, true. And not Lil Dirk, and that's okay. That's true. It, it, the, the, I guess this is a question to talk about when we get further into it, because there are aspects of this, and this is baked into the Justified franchise, there are aspects of this that strike me as aggressively old-fashioned, which is the nature also the show is saying that. The show is saying that Raylan Givens, and they talk, the characters comment He's on wearing it. a hat. He's wearing, he's wearing a hat, a and, and as when Clement meets him for the first time, he's like, there are only two types of people who are your age and still yeah. doing this. Yeah. Right? Either they got passed over for the promotion, or they just really, really like doing this. Yeah. So it's interesting to see That's a show. That's a great line. It, it's, a, it's a great line. It's <laughs> yeah. brilliantly delivered, and it crackles. I think I'm, I'm just sort of processing, and I'm realizing I'm sounding much more negative than I mean to, because I'm digging this show a lot. But it is an interesting proposition to be like, we are proudly an old-fashioned thing, but we're also interrogating our old-fashionedness and we're shooting at this a certain way. 
but also the music sounds like this. So it's kind of moving in two directions at the same time and hasn't settled. And it doesn't, it, to my eyes, it didn't settle into what it's going to be until that last 15 minute run uh, of the second episode. Yeah. I think it's also a different story for the justified world to be telling to mm-hmm. even in the second season where it's this season long arc about the Bennett clan versus the Crowder clan and the Givens family kind of caught in the middle. There are still several case of the week episodes in that. Yeah. And even though they, those episodes I think are a little bit more delicately tied to the larger story, they're still like, there's a pregnant prisoner who needs to be transferred from one prison to another, or Rachel, the other U.S. Marshal's brother, is in trouble, and Raylan needs to stop Rachel from making a mistake. Or there's like other little things. Yeah. There's a whole thing in season two with Winona's new husband, who's in debt and orchestrates like a bank robbery. Like there are these great subplots, and I don't know that we're going to get that from City Primeval because the novel City Primeval is essentially two trains on the same track running at each other. Like, so I don't know that, I think part of the reason why, if I don't sound like, I'm so enjoying myself watching Mm -hmm. this and I think it's really, really good, but I think I'm going to miss, like, what if Raylan had to go to uh, Saginaw for the weekend to get somebody and bring them back, you know? Well, also, it's, part of that is also that Oliphant is such a classic TV leading man, like, you just want to spend time with him and the characters that that he creates. Wasn't there... I think we're also kind of chin scratchy because I just feel like it, this represents a pretty interesting transition moment in television because wasn't there, well, two things. One, because the conceit of the original Justified, I mean, there is a larger industry turn back when there was a functioning industry toward more old-fashioned storytelling. Like, if you if Justified had never existed and you signed up Timothy Oliphant to play a, a lawman and you got Taylor Sheridan to write it, it would be an open-ended series, right? Like, it would just, it would be what it was again. Today? Today. I feel like people would might want that. A streaming service might want a multi-season show that had... It, it, the rhythms might be different, but I do feel like that's well, still valuable. Well, I mean, you would know but, better than I would, but it doesn't sound like people are looking for multi-season shows anymore. Wouldn't it be Raylan versus Boyd? No, actors aren't. But yeah. I think that I think that networks are returning to the fact that like people just like their stories. I mean, I think that's one of the old-fashioned, though they may be. I think that's the Taylor Sheridan lesson that everyone's trying to chase. But isn't wasn't there also, or am I misremembering, a different Justified reboot planned at some point? Wasn't there a script going around or a different imagine, like imagining it differently? I don't know whether it was Oliphant was involved. Oh, or I don't there know. Was a, Actually, I feel like I have like a Justified Google alert, so I would know that. I, I, think, I don't remember, but what, what was just sort of like, they were just going to move him to Florida or whatever? I, I You know what? I don't know. If, I'm not speaking out of turn. I just may be making this up, but I just feel like that there is I would is not a, be shy. I mean, Oliphant's been like, we spend a lot of time on group chat trying to figure out like a way to work together again. So I'm sure that there's been stuff kicking It's just around. sort of interesting if if the show, especially if it continues to come back in different forms, who knows if this is, who knows what needle this will move, you know, in terms of... I think it's probably more likely, I mean, you know, I was looking back at the ratings of Justified and, mm-hmm. you know, even though it was at once a sort of uh, on the bubble show, it was like, oh, is Justified going to come back? Is Justified going to come back? It still did 3 million people per episode <laughs> pretty routinely. It's a very, very different a, time. a very successful show right now. Um, also, you know what the most telling thing is when you Google shows just to remind you of like when did they come out because to my mind justified is still relatively i think of it as kind of recent yeah. we think of it as the whatever era we're in now in television if you go to the wikipedia page for like season two or three the image is the dvd set cover yeah which dates it more than anything we could possibly say and you're right like season two which was fantastic the season two premiere 
had three and a half million viewers uh, on linear, yeah. not counting anything else. That is a different era. Yes. Um, so uh, I can't remember how we got off on the readings of it. Oh, I was, was just sort of. Fault, I just but... feel like it's an interesting test case for like what audiences want, and and if it, you know, it because we you started the conversation by saying this is a show that really worked and made sense in its era, and now it's coming back slightly different. And well, we I, kind and of I can't we started this conversation this being like, cool, the, this is going to be like Sherlock. They should just do like three yes. episode to eight episode mini series every few years when he feels like putting the hat back on. I uh, would imagine. I think he's like 55. Like he's probably got one more of these in him. And he's, he has said that like, if this one works out, like we have another one we'd like to do. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, like there's also a part of me that would just like justified to still be on. <laughs> that, that's the tension that I think I'm speaking to, which is, I think people still want those types of shows. We are not ungrateful for this. And it's but how very hard, hard would that be for you? You know, if you miss one episode, you're like, well, I'm not going backwards. I would love that because then I, I could just take it off my plate based on a completely obscure rule I made up 12 years ago. I don't see a problem with that. Uh, anything else you want to hit before we get out of here? Uh, I, I think, just I think next week we're going to do some hijack. I think it's hijack week on the watch. Dude, it's the show of the summer. <laughs> it's so fun. I the think f- fourth episode's really good. So hijack, people know we've been talking about this. Idris Elba show on, on, Apple, TV. on Apple TV Plus. Six episode total. Seven. Seven? Seven hour flight, seven episodes. What is a six hour flight? Seven hour flight. <laughs> Did you take a shortcut from Dubai to London? <laughs> I just fly. I, I fly real fast. <laughs> I go on the go fast flights. You don't know about that? Uh, um, what is the, remember the Chris Licht oh, article? I'm taking a blimp from Dubai to London, so it you feels like, like d- seven episodes. You like pilots that waver from their flight path. Well, no, I mean, that's what this, the whole thing is hinging on this like slight deviation. Isn't this the Chris Licht quote that among many things got him fired where he was just like, we it was something like we can debate the nature of rain, but you can't tell me it's raining if it's not. This this is this is what we're talking about. Yeah, it's six hours. Anyway, five episodes have the fifth episode is going up. Um, it went up last night. Yes, and the final episode is going out next week. So I think we could talk about we could talk show. about it for when it's done if you'd like to. We could talk about it next Thursday. So next Thursday is all hijack, all plain nonsense. Sure, you want to watch Special Ops: Colon Lioness with me on Sunday night? Can I watch it with you? Oh man, that would be special. And you fall asleep. Kaya could come to the I east te- side. <laughs> I text you at the end. We could have some Thai food, just watch special ops. No, Kai and I would both come to your house if you made one of your special leftover tacos. Oh yeah. Like yeah, the, yeah. The, the specialty of the house. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine, like crunch up some Pringles, sprinkle uh, them on top. You know, I'm free Sunday. Whatever you got. Okay, so for next week's homework, we're doing we're doing special ops lioness uh-huh. with AMC spokeswoman Nicole Kidman. Uh-huh. And Zoe Saldana. Excited. Yeah. Excited about it. that. I highly recommend it. <laughs> I wish, sometimes I wish that your face could be communicated to our listeners. You're gleeful. It's really cool. You're it's a good gl- show. You're gleeful about this. <laughs> uh, Grewal, great to see you. Thank you to Kaya for producing. Glad she uh, she decided to come back, come back to her audio home of the watch. <laughs> Did you think that was in jeopardy? Well, Portland's very seductive. It is, but yet you always seem to come back That's to. That's true. I well, feel like. Yeah, this is Tinseltown. Bill's got me on a lifetime contract. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back on Monday. Is it like the Bobby Bonilla contract? (laughs) This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.